Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher and you're listening to What's the Hazard? It's our podcast about workplace safety and health, about OSHA, about uh, employee empowerment, things of that nature. We talk a little bit about leadership and other things that uh, pertain to workplace safety, uh, if you can imagine something so exciting. <laughs> so, um, and I've got a, we've got some really good guests today. I'm looking forward to our episode. It is Friday, September 3rd, I believe, yep. the uh, start of the Labor Day weekend. Friday. And for those of you that uh, are now out of the federal government, uh, did you even know it was Labor Day? I can tell you, <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been separated from the feds for almost eight years now, and uh, I don't know when a federal holiday is anymore. It, it seems like... We're already halfway through September, and Labor Day is really late this year. It is. But. It does seem weird. And you, Mike, I mean, as the most recent. I'm, I'm freshly out. So, you are freshly you out. Know, so you're probably still looking for I'm expecting this. You're, you're expecting your email of your two hours of admin time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, um, before we get started, you know, I want to make mention of our sponsors and supporters. Uh, as always, we are in, in eternally grateful to the generosity of these folks. Um, without them, we wouldn't be doing this. So, John Fallowich of Fallowich Construction Services, Cheyenne Wolford, Custom Concrete Specialists, and our buddy Jim Cover down at the Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation. Thank you, guys. They are all true believers in workplace safety and health, and um, uh, without them, we wouldn't be doing this. And we do highlight sponsors, or I mean supporters, periodically. We've got a great supporter right now, Kristen Hodge of Hinco. Uh, she is an ergonomist. She is, uh, actually, I think her background is in uh, athletic training, performance, those types of things. So she does a lot of things related to stretching programs, ergonomics, back health, things like that. Her business is Hinco. You can find her at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, at HincoSolutions.com. If you don't have a stretching program, if you don't have a good back health program, if you're not doing any ergonomic assessments, you should give her a call and see if she can't come out and help you. So thanks, everybody, for your support. We appreciate it. So today is uh, an episode of the OSHA Insiders, or former insiders, uh, as it were. The OSHA Outcasts. The Outcasts, <laughs> yep. Um, I've got Mike Kinnett and Ian Poole here in, in the studio with me today. Um, I think it's interesting because all of us were cons- compliance officers. All of us were assistant area directors. Mike, you did a stint as the uh, regional auditor. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a stint as the compliance assistance specialist. Ian, did you have a? I had some sort of. Did you do stint some national <laughs> office? In the stint? national office. <laughs> yes, it, you did. It was a it was a job that was more like a detail, but um, yeah, man. I only I only stuck on for ninety days, and I'd seen enough. That was enough. That was enough in D.C. I can only imagine. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we call this the OSHA Insider segment. Um, we talk about OSHA. From the inside looking out sometimes and some of our experiences and, you know, maybe some of those perspectives that can help you uh, implement a better safety and health program or maybe just it's entertaining to hear, you know, how things actually were in, in the in the agency. Um, there is so much that we can cover and I hope to cover all of this stuff over the course of the next three or four or five years. But I'd, I'd kind of like to just get started with the idea of you know, I was always in favor of the mission. I think the mission is something that we all got on board with when we first started. Mm-hmm. You know, ensure every working man and woman a safe place to work. Who, who doesn't embrace that idea? It didn't always transpire that way necessarily. It was always some, some challenging. So I'll, I'll give this to you, Ian. If you were the assistant secretary, is there something that you would change about how OSHA does its business? Was there anything that is it, is it appropriate? Or I, could it be better, or what would you what would you I, think? I think the the thing that always stood out to me was, um, especially at the national office, you know, when employers are coming to the agency for help, it's a very slow, long, drawn out process, and I, I think em, employers then are just sort of turned away. You know, hey, I was trying to be proactive. I was trying to get some guidance. Um, next thing I know, maybe not because I try to reach out for help, but uh, something happens and OSHA's knocking on their door and, and they're just, they're frustrated, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I always think uh, the agency always has room for improvement on the proactive approach yes. to things. I, um, I agree. I, you know, 
my my shock and, and awe when I first showed up to the agency was um, a dearth of compliance assistance. There, there's there's just a void there where, you know, we're hard and heavy on the enforcement, but then when somebody comes to us, like you said, Ian, and, and wants um, guidance or help or just wants some kind of understanding as to what's going on, you know, it's like the door slammed. There, there's no, this is... And I understand what we do. You know, I understand that the mission through the OSHA Act itself, we are enforcement people. We have a set of regulations. We're there to enforce it. Our job is not to not to uh, explain what the situation is. But I think as a good, I used to call it the kinder, gentler OSHA. You know, <laughs> the the um, you can tell how old I am now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but. The, the ability to, to reach out to the employer or just maybe not even reach out to them, but to be there when they come to us and say, hey, you know, I don't understand this. And to have somebody there. And, Doug, you were in a very good person in that role when you were in that role. Um, to be able to explain in a layman's terms what it is OSHA is looking for, for mm-hmm. whatever the particular instance be. So I, I, that, I agree with Ian in the fact that there's definitely – more needs to be done in I don't want so much an outreach, but to, as a uh, as a resource. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because all of the letters of interpretation that would come out of the agency, out of the national office, and a letter of interpretation is simply just a response to a question posed by someone in the regulated community. Typically, mm-hmm. they want they want an explanation, and and there was always this preface. Please excuse us for the delay in responding. Yes. <laughs> and there was always like a two-year two wait until yep. they got the answer out, yep. unfortunately. And I, I get it. One of my frustrations was there was just this inherent reluctance in the agency to say anything definitive. Because, one, it may not necessarily be applicable to the other people that hear this, mm-hmm. that will want to assume it is. Um, it's not always easy to give guidance when you can't actually see the situation, you know, when you're just getting it from a description from the requester. So there was this natural reluctance, but you could sense the frustration in the employers when they would call mm-hmm. and say, what am I supposed to do? And Well, it kind of depends. We, we would hem-haw around a lot. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it just it became a little bit difficult. The other side of that is that the differences in the United States in the districts, in the district courts that, they, that we're, we're uh, attached to, for, for uh, legal situations. Um, when anything's played out, you know, the, 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 the process is played out. Um, in the Northeast, it might be decided as this. In the Southwest, it might be decided as this. It's the same damn standard, the same situation, but two different interpretations as to what the law reads, and that makes it hard for somebody in the national office to say, this is what it is. Because they have to mm-hmm. bounce it off of all of these different districts That's to a make great sure that it's all correct and, and everybody's there. And then they can come with a consensus letter of interpretation. Mm-hmm. So I get, I mean, I understand that the, the delay, but, you know, it, it used to frustrate me as a compliance officer to say, you know, this is what it, what it is. Just come out and say, boom, put the, a guard on the it. Best, or, the best know, way I would describe it, uh, you know, I spent a short amount of time working in uh, the national office for enforcement programs. And the best way I would describe it is it's, it's a constant state of legal purgatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, my very first experience at the national office, uh, this was why as a co-show had to go there, present a case. And what do they do? They throw you in a room with 10 lawyers trying to explain your situation. And it's like, that's, um, that, that's just, life yeah. in the national office. You don't even speak the same language for <laughs> no. the most part. No, so. That is tough, man. Well, you know, I mean, I think if we were talking about what you would change about the agency, I think, you know, if, if that was something that could be changed, I think it would be useful. It would be well-received by the employers and, and other organizations that are, you know, involved in these things. That was always very difficult. I was always a believer that I used to tell Ben in the Omaha area office, and all of us had worked in the Omaha area office at one point, um, we had 10 compliance officers. I think that was a full complement of compliance officers. We didn't always run with 10, but that was that was what we were slotted with. If you would give me two or three of those compliance officers and devote them to compliance assistance work, the outreach stuff and the 
communications and things, we could make a lot more headway. That wasn't that wasn't how. And and right. I just say that I don't know that's the case, but it always seemed like we could do more to address those things. Well, I think the more you educate the general populace, the the more the less you're going to have safety violations and situations come up. I mean, you know, the, the number of times you've walked into a business, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and they just have had no clue. When you walk in the door, you just see the, the eyes glass over and the, <laughs> oh, my God, what am I going to do? And, you know, they're just bouncing off the walls and whatnot. Um, sometimes I almost felt the responsibility to take their hand and guide them. Mm-hmm through the process because I knew that if it was just me walking in saying, boom, 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 that it, nothing would get done. So, I mean, I took it upon myself as a compliance officer and I know the rest of us have in the past, there's been those, those, those businesses where you just feel, okay, this is, I need to do some responsible governing here yeah. <laughs> or yeah. regulating. I, well, here. you bring up a, a great point and uh, I as well took the same approach. I mean, one particular inspection I'll, I'll never forget that um, uh, I ended up at this uh, lumber company. It was, you know, locally owned versus one of those national chains. And the gentleman who was the president of the company still handling the day-to-day operations was, was 81 years old. And, you know, he had an unfortunate situation where a uh, former employee, you know, as a often do filed a, a complaint. Um, oftentimes, you know, I, 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 I'd never discourage somebody from coming forth with, um, actual hazards that they're concerned about in the workplace, but why did you wait two years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, we, we wound up there. Um, you know, there are some machine guarding issues, but the, the, this gentleman, and he truly was, um, he's, he's all upset about, uh, employee that you know he had to let go he couldn't keep this guy on he he gave him chance after chance and then um you know but the machine guarding stuff were were some easy fixes and walked him through the process but he brought up the point that he'd owned the business since 1959 and never once had an OSHA inspection and he even had state consultation out there in the past and um to, to no fault of, of, of them, you know, they identified some things at the time too, and they took care of them and had a good ongoing relationship. But, you know, and, and I always told employers too, I said, I know even if you've had state consultation out here, um, every time that somebody walks through the door, we're just seeing a snapshot. Conditions change. So, yeah, state consultation got you squared up on this in the past, um, you know, that that was five years ago. Things have changed since then, and mm-hmm. and just just walking employers through that process too. So, um, you know, just you you feel feel for some of the employers out there really trying to do the right thing, are being proactive, and haven't had a history with OSHA. And then one thing happens, and OSHA's here, and I'm sorry when I'm going to walk away, it's going to be a minimum of nine thousand dollars out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. You know, I always thought, and again, I, I'm nobody. I was a field-level grunt. You know, I never had any real authority in the agency or anything, but I always thought there might be a place for, particularly with small business, we, we designate small businesses on the consultation side by size, and, you know, maybe there would be a place for, you know, almost like warning type of thing. If you go into a small business and um, identify some things, give them some information, direct them to consultation, I'll be back in six months, and uh, we'll make sure that these things have been addressed. You know, it's not a big agency. Yeah. You know, OSHA is not a very large agency, and they don't have tremendous resources necessarily. So, I get that that's probably not realistic. I, I've been a big fan of the warning situation, but it was explained to me a long time ago that, you know, say we give a warning, we go six months or whatever in that six months those employees are still potentially exposed to a hazard and something could happen now what happens if something does say god forbid a fatality happens involving that specific situation a second or third party lawyer is going to come in and say well you know osha was out here and they said this why didn't they do anything they allowed about it, it to. so yeah. it, it it opens as and this was part of my part of the auditor this whole enterprise risk management deal with the the agency now um, you're looking for risks at all 
all levels. And that's kind of where we, we fall into the, you're opening up the agency to a potential legal risk. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it, but I, I, I truly believe the warning deal is there. And I think truthfully, if you, if we're, we're calling a spade a spade, basically I know myself and I know other compliance officers have not necessarily walked past hazards, but have pointed them out to the employer and not written them up. Sure. You know, where they've said, Oh, you know, there's a cracked faceplate there. You know, go ahead and put a faceplate on that. Now that's not to say that, you know, they're, they're, giving away a citation or whatnot. But, you know, sometimes that's, you, you might have 15 citations already and you're really not looking for a 16th. Right. You know, or maybe you're trying to build up some good faith with the employer to make the rest of the inspection go, you know, a little bit better or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. I, I think I that's, that was pretty, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I did that. You know, well, there would be right things now, that, I have. and they weren't, certainly there weren't imminent danger type issues. Exactly. These weren't something that were just imminently going to hurt somebody. They were probably minor in nature and probably low exposure. I, I think the older you get as a compliance officer, the more you understand that, you know, this is a, something that can be corrected now. You're removing the employees from that hazard now. And, um, it's not something like you said. It's going to you know rip an arm off or kill a person mm-hmm. or, or anything like that. It's just something that that you know is it something really we want to bring the whole force of the the federal government to right. <laughs> to bear on to this, bear uh, on this uh, unadjusted grinder exactly yeah. exactly. And you know I know people that have gone with a you know it's a two hundred dollar grinder and cited fifty six thousand dollars <laughs> worth of penalty on it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I'm Had not going to lie buses. to you. I've <laughs> I've gotten a pretty pretty high amount off of bench grinder once too, and and you know it's just sometimes you just have to sit there and think: is it really is the juice worth the worth the yeah. squeeze? I guess is are, what are are we actually are we getting the uh, the uh, intended goal out of it? I mean, is this really? I always got the kick out of when they're saying, "Well, we're going to have the uh, area director's discretion to uh, bump up the penalty," and you're like. You're already at one hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. You know, is a is you know two hundred or eight hundred or nine hundred thousand dollars going to make a difference? This guy's already only making thirty thousand dollars a year off of the mm-hmm. off of the business. How much more penalty do you have to lob onto it to get the desired effect? Right. That, that that's a great question, but and and it's and it addresses the fact that there is quite a bit of subjectivity in this. You know, truthfully, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whether that's good or bad. Um, let's clarify a term first. We said kosho. We use the, we use these terms just constantly as part of our, our language. Kosho compliance, safety and health officer. We all did that gig for a while. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part about being a kosho, Ian, to you? Oh, well, so many. (laughs) I mean, it's, uh, some, interesting gig, truthfully. I I mean, I, I did enjoy getting out there and, and seeing, businesses you know seeing what what people are doing how how you know how they're they're making their bread and butter that was always the interesting part of the job but you know sometimes it does take a personal toll on you as an individual because i think most compliance officers out there are not mean-spirited individuals and you're you're thrown in a task where you've got to you know bring some heavy news on on some employer mm-hmm. sometime and say yeah, you know, this isn't going to be cheap. <laughs> so, right, right. Um, it, and and just you build a certain level of rapport with with these employers when you're out there doing an inspection, and then at the end you're you're busting their balls. So, yep. <laughs> um, and and sometimes it it does really impact them personally. You know, I've had employers break down in, in, in tears with me. I've I've had to do an inspection where. Uh, the employer's own son had was the decedent, and you know, well, you know, you got employees exposed, so that's why we're here, despite the fact that you have to bury your son this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- those are the 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 and really the, crappy inspections. Not yeah, always, man, that's tough. They're not always empathetic to the fact that you're burying a son. Yeah, the inspection still has to go on. Mm-hmm. And and you sometimes know? as a as yeah. a compliance officer, I had to plead the case to the area director, I say, look, you know, we can go down this path, but 
we're going to have a really hard time establishing uh, either employer-employee relationship here or even that there's a, a case for employer knowledge in this particular situation. I mean, you have essentially an officer of the company out there doing work on their own and something goes bad and next thing they're dead. I realize they're an employee, but, uh, you know, dad over here doesn't always know what the son's doing out there in the field, literally. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would try to call the balls and strikes as I'd see them. I said, you know, hold on a minute. Yes, I know we, we made our presence here, but this is as far as I'm getting with the facts. And how far do you really want to push this to try to, you know, take right. enforcement action against a grieving family? Mm-hmm. Right. That's know? interesting. And at the same time, we're sending them a condolence letter. Oh, hey, we're looking into yeah. this on behalf of, right. you know, your loved one that's deceased. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, though, you know, we're opening up inspection against you. Yeah, you know, hopefully that, the condolence letter comes before the citation package. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't think OSHA was ever intended to operate that way, but there's been more than a handful of times that yes. I've seen it happen. Yeah, I think part of the, the the hardest part of being a compliance officer is the fact that you are the expert on the ground. In fr- you're the face of the agency when you walk in. You're the one that says, hey, how you doing? I'm Mike Connett with the Department of Labor, OSHA. And you're go- you don't know what you're walking into. You don't know if they're going to say, hey, how you doing? Come on in, sit down. You want mm-hmm. some coffee? We'll you know, do whatever. Or if you're going to get F-bomb this, you that, you, you know, right on down the line. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I've seen I'll, 50-year-old men oh, act yeah. like six-year-olds I'll, that have not, you know, have had, had, had their to- toy taken away from me. I've had hammers thrown at me. I've had pitchforks swung at me. You know, it's it, my mother's been called everything in the book, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other thing is, like you said, you go into this and, and you're getting it from the other side saying, you know, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. And you, you walk down the path and you do the investigation or you do the, the inspection and you're the one that knows the situation. And then you've got somebody on the, on the backside of it, second guessing and questioning, which I get, I understand that, but I always had a problem with a certain assistant area director in that you hired me for my professional judgment and opinion. Why are you questioning when I come back and say, no, this is not, this is Mm -hmm. not the way it is. This is what I see. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you know, as at the beginning of my career, I totally understand that, but you know, 21 years in, you're still going to question whether or not I know what I'm talking about. You know, it, 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 it really kind of, affected me that way because you know you come like you said and you go into an employer you develop a rapport and whatnot and you're like okay this is going to be the way this is and whatnot and then you come back and they're like no this is what we want to do so then you've got to call them up in the closing conference and let them know oh well you know yeah we were talking this but your penalties you know eighty thousand dollars you know yeah i always told the people after many years of, you know, having this happen is, is I told them, you know, this is what I believe we're looking at. It's subjective in that, you know, we can either, hey, it could be worse or it could be better depending right. on what the investigation falls, you know, yeah. how, how the You do have fall. to consult with your assistant area director exactly. or some, some manager. Exactly. To... And I, I'll, at first I always told the party line and just said, this is the way it is. And then as I, you know, got older, more seasoned, um, I would kind of explain to them the situation and how it played out and and, and gave them a realistic look at what, what the situation was. I've, I always felt that if I was brutally honest with them that, look, hey, we're, we're not looking at a real good situation mm-hmm. here that, you know, you might want to prepare yourself for this. I'll, I'll do what I can right. to fight for you. To but, the extent that you're able. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it's not my final decision and then that's the way it kind of played I, out, I think so. you're right though man I think that sometimes the brutal honesty you know just rip the band-aid off instead of just gradually pulling mm-hmm. it and they're just thinking oh I think this is going okay oh it sounds like things are going okay yeah. ow you know yeah, I mean, exactly I don't know man that was a difficult one and and you mentioned something Ian the personal toll that this can take on the compliance officer mm-hmm. I think is totally overlooked in this equation you know obviously there is a potential toll on the employer um, you know, there's, you know, there's a lot of stress that goes with being inspected by a government agency, 
But if you're investigating fatalities, if you are investigating bad accidents, if you're in complaints, if you are levying these huge citation packages that could conceivably destroy a business. You are the agency's punching bag. Man, it was really really difficult. You're the agency's shield and you're their punching bag. You're the one that, you know, Mm -hmm. you go out there and say, this is it. Like I said, you walk into a business, you might get the, hey, how you doing? Or you might get the, hey, get the hell out of here. (laughs) You know, and that's being nice about it. I'll never never forget one particular inspection I did is this was a really small town and up north in Nebraska. And uh, it was a grain elevator and... um, the lady that was working the scale, she had to have been in her mid seventies, and you know, uh, I explained, you know, why is there for and here to do this inspection. I just remember she's holding her her mug that says, "I love my grandchildren," and she just looks at me and says, "This whole thing is bullshit." <laughs> Grandma, <laughs> I, did, I was like, "Wow!" I just had a, some old lady just start cussing at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but she was a sweet old lady. Oh, she was, but she was very displeased, and she let me know it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and one of the other things, I just made some notes when I started putting down some of these. But as far as compliance officers, at least in Nebraska, I know you worked in Kansas for a while out of the for Wichita area office, yep. and then we all worked in Nebraska. And, you know, um, the Omaha area office has jurisdiction over the entire state. So mm-hmm. we all lived and worked, you know, basically in Omaha. And then we would come in on Monday mornings, and you would have your – your personal family plans for the week, you know, all <laughs> oh, Johnny's got a, you know, a game on Tuesday and I've got, you know, uh, parent teacher conferences on Thursday. Oh, but Doug, I need you to go out to Scott's Bluff. And Monday morning <laughs> you would get your marching orders and you were, yeah, you were sent to Bankelman or Scott's <laughs> Bluff or places uh, that were not in the immediate vicinity that Garden, were going to impact your week. Garden spots of the state. Garden spots. And um, that was, there was a certain amount of, str- I mean, other people, I'm not suggesting that this was incredibly stressful, but. It added to the stress level at times. I know? always, I always had a problem because there was an area director, and we all were well. Two of us worked for him. Um, then had an issue with laughing in the office, with us <laughs> laughing in the office, and you know, I, I always had a problem with that because the way I always looked at the area office, and maybe I was wrong, I don't know, but the area office should be an oasis for the compliance officer because you've got. You've got all the outside stressors that go on. Like I said, people screaming at you, people hollering at you, the, 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 the amount of penalties that are being issued, um, you know, just the general public's impression of what we are. They think we're just hard-ass people walking out there and, you know, evil waiting to get you. I've had people tell me, you know, well, you're just sitting in the bushes waiting for me to screw up. You know, I don't have time for that. There's only mm-hmm. 10 of us for the whole state. So, you know... There's that. And then you've got the pressures that are coming from the national office down through the regional office, through the, the, the area director and the assistant area director. You know, they're constantly questioning you and blah, blah, blah. And then you do have that issue with the family. Mm-hmm. Your family suffers a bit because, you know, at any given time, like you said, boom, we're out west. You know, and it might be, you know, Johnny's presentation or, you know, his, his recital or her recital or whatever. Um and I always thought the area office should be a place where we could just decompress, mm-hmm. where we can just sit, smoke. Well, not smoke. <laughs> smoke dope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but, you know, joke around and, 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 and kind of relate. Just, you know, yeah. th- there's a certain amount of, of, of camaraderie that should be there. Oh, when I think I first it was really critical, to the, too. When I first got to the office, nobody talked to one another. I mean, literally, you didn't, like, you, you sat next to one another, but you very rarely, it was almost like, hey, Doc. Mm-hmm. what about this? And then it'd be like, mm-hmm. well, what, 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 you know, yeah. there was never, you, you couldn't just say, Hey, you know, what do you guys cite for this? And then just have the whole mm-hmm. general, you know, the whole general populace say, well, you know, this is what you do or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me forever to get working relationships with people, to get people to just start talking and whatnot. And, and, you know, Ben be damned mm-hmm. <laughs> was, was the way I looked at it because it just, it, it, to me, that area office needed to be that oasis to where we could mm-hmm. just kind of... And a, and a collaboration, obviously. Exactly. I mean, you're learning from everybody else in that office that maybe has had an experience that you've not had yet. I learned more from you and Darwin and, and Seth and, and uh, Doug, you know, Joan, 
the just yeah. By, that's how we you know, all learn. Just by you know, you walk in and, and like like I, I've said before, when I my background was safety in the Air Force, so I knew safety. I didn't know the whole legal side of what OSHA is. Right. So you know, for me to go in there, they're expecting you to perform the minute you walk in the door. That's hard to do when you don't know what you're mm-hmm. looking at. Mm-hmm. And and thank God for Darwin. He was he was my mentor and my my leader and and, and you know the guy that I mm-hmm. went to all the time because we were in the same discipline. We were both safeties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the stories I could tell you about times with Darwin could fill an hour worth of t- worth of time here anyway. Um, we'll but, do an episode on Darwin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a Darwin episode. That would be perfect. But I mean, it was it was because of that collaboration with him that it, I became a much better compliance officer, and I always took that forward as I went in my career to be able to be open enough to the the younger compliance officers coming in to be able to share that information with them, because you know. I would walk into to Benita's office and I'd ask a question and be like, well, what does the book say? Well, I'd get to the book and I'd read the book and it didn't make any damn sense to me, <laughs> right, <laughs> you right. know? And that's what I was trying to say to her yeah. is I don't understand this. And it was inevitably, it was either you, Seth, or Big D, Big D would say, well, this is why, and this is what it is. And then you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You can go through classes at OTI. Oh, yeah. You can go through all the stuff that you do by yourself, and you can have your college degrees and everything else, but if you haven't done the job and you haven't seen the situation, you don't, you don't know, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, it was critical that I had those people in, 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 my, I say in my life now, but, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, that were there for me at the time, and I felt I owed it to them to pay that forward as I went on and I know Ian you felt the same way because I've seen you work with the the younger compliance officers Doug sure. obviously you were part of my mm-hmm. my mentoring well I wouldn't say they were younger um <laughs> well I, the, I was always a young guy but less seasons <laughs> let's put it that way mm-hmm. yes did you um I know you were part of an inspection that hit the news recently um it was a horrible catastrophic accident that led to uh i think the death of two and an injury of a third person mm-hmm. and, it, and it hit the news not too long ago uh there was a, a criminal referral to the department of justice that has since you know uh led to some at least some no sentencing yet but convictions yeah um you know my, my position always i had a philosophical difficulty with pounding on companies with these citations and penalties Unless they really deserved it, and it's hard to get to those companies. Typically, we you know the targeting mechanisms that OSHA uses are not perfect, of course. So you would be involved with companies that they might have needed a push in the right direction, but they were trying, and so they, you would hit them with some of these penalties, and it didn't always sit well. But every now and then, you ran into some asshole that really deserved, you know, everything that we could muster. And you you had a case like that recently. Oh yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well. Well, I, mean, I guess to I guess the it was, that you're able? I guess it wasn't so recent. Um, well, just, that's true. Just, just tell you how the the wheels of the government how slowly they they spin. But uh, the, the uh, incident actually happened in 2015. So um, you know we went we went through the whole process and then uh, six month long investigation, issue citations, and then um, you know when I was, when when you're out there. And certain things come up. So every now and then you just pick up the sense of, yeah, you know, there's a lot more lurking below the surface here. And yep. so, yep. you know, being a, a wise inspector, I said, hey, you know, this isn't really my wheelhouse out here, but um, I can only imagine what's going on on the environmental side of things mm-hmm. with with a business like this. It's this taking wastes out of out of tank cars. And, and I, you know, I it, it seems to me that, Certain things are not really going out, you know, to disposal sites. <laughs> when you see a big dumpster that just says um, <laughs> trash service to be unnamed. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, and you see it full of uh, sawdust and oil residue and things like that. And you don't see any sort of waste manifests on things like that. So make a make a drop a hint to the area director. Hey, you might want to call the EPA to make a referral on this. Um and you know, in in past times we've been out there, the response was get a warrant. So 
<laughs> so you know that that it would just sort of uh keep you a little tuned in that things aren't really on the up and up here but um yeah it, it you know the particular case it uh uh basically employees their whole pool of employees were people out on work release and parole that really couldn't come forward about safety and health uh because if they did they would be singled out and terminated and you know OSHA always explains, well, you know, there's Section 11C. I was like, yeah, well, Section 11C is a long, drawn-out drawn process where you try mm-hmm. to come to some sort of – most of the time it's a private settlement agreement between the employer and, sort of, and yeah. employee rather than a legal enforcement action against the employer. So these employees, literally, they lost their job and couldn't immediately go back to work as a condition of their parole, had to go back to prison. Because that's the whole point of work release. You're out there working. If you're not working, you got to go back to prison. So um, so they were reluctant to complain a lot about conditions. Reluctant to complain a lot about conditions. And even after two of their own employees were reluctant to even speak to the government about what's going on, you know, because these guys have been down their own road before with I was going to say, this is, this is an employer that had had three previous significant cases levied yeah. against them mm-hmm. over the years bad actors yes but um after that process you know we we issued uh just just shy of a million dollars in citations um we had over a million dollars in citations before i had to go sit in that that room full of 10 lawyers <laughs> and legal right. purgatory and they right you know, well we don't feel strongly about this one or that this one individual wouldn't give you a signed sworn statement you know <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're gonna remove this one. All right. Well, I, you, you don't think the rest of the evidence is overwhelming here, but um, so after that, uh, it basically sat for a period of three years because uh, once the agency decides they're gonna make a criminal referral, uh, because you know of other things that are going on with with environmental. Uh, wastes and um, falsification of of statements made to government investigators. So that's that's the one number thing. <laughs> Don't even think about lying to a compliance officer. You know, um, most things that OSHA does is is civil administrative. Until you make a false statement under under oath or um, in other situations, submit false. Uh, documents under mm-hmm. subpoena. I mean, why would you even do that? You know, the maximum the OSHA can do criminally against somebody uh, if there's a willful fatality is a misdemeanor, like a maximum of six mm-hmm. months in jail. But if if you lie and forge things, then you're looking at felonies. So mm-hmm. you're better off killing a guy than lying to an OSHA compliance officer, literally. But, um, yeah, a three three year process to return an indictment, and then another two years to fight fight this out. You know, through uh, just um, before they could even actually get to trial. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, how many steps it takes to to get to even a, a trial in a lot of cases, um, especially when you're dealing with things like the EPA and OSHA. Yeah, and how slowly that turns. Yeah, but. Um, did you feel good about it? I mean, I mean, is it possible to feel good about something that's based on a tragedy like that? You know, it it made it, it was a long process and you never know how these things are going to settle out, but it made it feel like at the end, maybe we did have an impact in, Mm -hmm. in this particular case. Um, I don't know that it so much feels like you're feel good about it, but it validates your work and what you did. It validates what you believe in when you sign on with the job, mm-hmm. you know. Did you have cases like that where you actually thought, I did something good here? Yes, yes. And then I've also had cases where I thought this is just a phenomenal waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Record keeping. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, I, and I even com- enforcement, regular, you know, good, solid stuff. There were times it's like, yeah, I don't know why we're doing this. But, um yeah, I've had some cases where, you know, it, it validated the work, and, mm-hmm. and I thought, this, I've really done This is why I work. do this. Exactly. And I'd walk yeah. away from it, you know, with my chest pumped mm-hmm. out and whatnot, and then the next day I'd be, you know, 
slapped back down to where, <laughs> right, right, right. where I belonged. And, yeah, and man. So, but, but, I mean, but those moments, and, and it was interesting because within the agency, we refer to, you know, these significant cases. They were typically based on a dollar amount mm-hmm. of citation issuance. And, and man, you get a lot of praise for those things, man. And that would might be on your performance appraisal. Oh, you had two SIG cases this year. And so there were times when the agency did a reasonably good job of affirming those kind of things. They knew what they wanted from us. Mm-hmm. And so when they would receive that, there was often, you know, hey, good job. There would be a little bit of that or there would be some app you felt good. Like you said, you, you know, you're in the office and you're feeling pretty good with your peers and, you know, the boss was happy. And then the next day or the next Monday you'd come in and, you know, <laughs> right. like, get your ass out to Scott's Bluff again. Exactly. Exactly. But so That's cool. This is all right, man. Well, um, gosh, there's so much we could talk about. Did you ever have uh, just a total shit show inspection just go totally bad or uh, just a horrible experience? Or do you remember anything like that? I, I, I do remember we did a lead-in radiator shops program as, a, as an IH. I was involved in these health programs once in a while, and they sent us out all over the state to do radiator shop inspections. Mm-hmm. And, and for one thing, we were a little bit late to the party. I mean, most of those... Shops weren't using lead solder anymore. They were using, you know, the aluminum plastic radiators and stuff. But I do remember being sent way out west one time at a really vague address. And I went, I drove into this little town. It had like one paved road. I had no idea where I was going, but there was a little municipal office there, you know. So I stopped and walked into the office and it was like the eight guys sitting around drinking coffee and everything goes silent. You know, they all stare at you like... And they know I'm not from around there, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And so I asked for Bob's Radiator Shop, and they gave me those real nebulous directions. Where are you going to go? South of town, on the gravel road. You're going to come to a couple of grain bins. You're going to turn left. There's going to be an old dog there. You're going to turn right. And so I'm driving out of town thinking, I think I'm driving into an ambush here, man, you know? <laughs> and I finally got to the location. And the banjos start playing. You hear the banjo music in the background. Every, every street sign is just shot to pieces. <laughs> and I got to this location, and it was like an old farmstead. It had, like, fencing around it with concertina wire, and there was this little outbuilding. You could see this sign hanging from, like, one nail. It said <laughs> radiator shop kind of dangling there. <laughs> and I looked at that. I looked around, and I just turned around and drove straight back to the office, went to my OSHA 1 and checked the block, could not locate. I mean, there were just some places I was not comfortable going in and announcing myself as the government, you know, agent or whatever the hell we were. I had one inspection. This was early on. Darwin was still mentoring me. We go out to a uh, construction site somewhere here in Omaha, you know, one of the new new. Big apartment development. Yeah, yeah, you oh, get yeah. out there. And um, so we drive up, and, you know, Darwin's like, okay, you need to handle this because I'll, I'll be here, but you're going you're gonna to do this one. I'm like, okay. Um, so I called the guy down off the roof, and it was one of these split-entry houses that, that was, you know, partially complete. You could look up through the bay window, and they hadn't sheathed the backside of the house, but they were doing the front. So, you know, Darwin's like, Call the guy down. I'm like, okay. Hey, Mr. John, you know, can you come on down here? And he's like, so he comes down. And instead of, like, climbing down a ladder or whatnot, you could see him. He put one hand, one foot on one uh, rafter, one foot on the other, and then, like, slid down. Well, the problem was he got moving too fast and <laughs> fell off into this uh, trash dumpster <laughs> fell off the roof <laughs> exactly well basically yeah and i'm like oh geez so he gets out and he's already ticked you can tell he's just already upset <laughs> right. so he comes walking around the corner what the fuck do you want and i'm like um you know hi i'm making a dormer labor put on my little badge there and you know everything and um so he's like okay and there were three hispanic individuals there working with him and he like yelled at these guys in Spanish, and and the next thing you know, they're starting to pick up their stuff and and what packing up and and whatnot. And Darwin and I are standing there, and I'm, where I'm explaining everything I need to explain, you know, as far as an opening conference and whatnot. And um, Darwin finally is like, "Well, where are these guys going? Oh, they're going to lunch. They'll be back." <laughs> I'm like, okay, and, and you know, we we you know what's going to happen here, but you just don't. <laughs> You can't hit. So they get in the truck and they drive off. So it's just him. It's the, the, the owner of the company, myself and Darwin. And um, there's a, 
compressor going running. So Don was like, can you turn that off? And he's like, well, Jesus says I have to. We're like, yeah. So turns it off. So we started talking to him. And uh, as I started asking him, I said, well, do you have a written safety and health program? You know, do you have this, that, or the other thing? He goes, yeah, just hang on a second. It's in my truck. So he goes to the truck. Next thing, the door closes, the truck starts up, and he takes off. And I'm like, I'm, I'm saying, it's Darwin and I standing in the middle of this field, and I look at him, and I'm like, can he do that? That's Darwin's answer. He just did. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, that was the end of the inspection. We couldn't find the guy. He had no, you know, no There was no company name or anything, or anything, on, anything on it. So, that's you know, terrific. That's when I was like, really? This is what the job is all about? And mm-hmm. that's that's... You know, that, that's just one of many nightmares I've walked through in my career. You didn't do so. a high-speed pursuit or anything? Of- we tried. <laughs> we, we tried. You know, I mean, that was it was funny because the construction back in that day, I don't know if they still do it now, but back in that day, I can remember Darwin bringing a video back where he had gone to a site with um, with uh, Liz Morales mm-hmm. um, out on a, on a job site. And they showed up and it showed their credentials. And the next thing you know, the, they're running for their cars and all the little Honda selling or, you know, Honda civics and whatnot, you know, all jacked up and looking, you know, like, like uh, fast and furious. Right. And they're like, and it looked like the Keystone cops. I mean, literally these cars are running over stop signs and everything else to get the hell <laughs> out of there. Off the and I'm like, oh so, God, man. I mean, th- those things happen all the time, but it I was mean, pretty common, particularly back. You know, and you know, we, we would were, come back, and it was almost like the compliance officers were trying to top each other on what mm. type of a messed up story they just <laughs> right. came back from. Because yeah. you know, it was kind of comical. You'd see there, and you'd, you'd hear Darwin or you or you know Seth or somebody come back. You wouldn't believe what just happened. Exactly, and, and so yeah, that was you know that was actually part of the good part. You know, yep. the camaraderie, as you mentioned earlier, and just sitting around with a group of guys around the lunch table sometimes, and just telling stories about. You know, one travesty or fiasco after another, and yeah. so yeah. anything like that happened to you before we oh, were just about well, done was, for the it day. Wasn't, man. It wasn't my particular inspection, but th- this was when I was down in Kansas, and uh, um, a, a certain assistant area director who who's no longer with the agency left more than a, a couple years ago, but they will rename remain nameless. Um, there have been a lot. There have been hailstorms and a lot of. Uh, activity going on in his particular neighborhood so just about every day you know even as an assistant area director you you still have the ability and responsibility to open an inspection if you see an immediate hazard but uh he chose to every day wait till he came to the office and well i'm gonna send somebody else out there to, (laughs) to deal with this and i get it can be a little touchy if it's your own neighborhood but Anyway, after about four or five times sending compliance officers to to uh, his neighborhood, you know, you know where to go and find the inspection if if you need one. <laughs> right. So one particular day he he taken off and uh, wasn't at work, and compliance officer goes out, well sees activity in his neighborhood, goes and opens an inspection. Uh, come to find out, it was the assistant area director's house. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> and and not only that, he was home. While he they was were doing- he was home, in his basement, hanging out while people are on his roof without fall protection. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, he was mad that somebody inspected the crew doing his doing own his roof. House. So, because usually that 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 <laughs> slows up production, <laughs> yeah, for at yes. least a couple hours anyway. Yes. And, and I'm just like, well. I, I don't even know how you even explain that one. So. That's funny. <laughs> you know, that's interesting you say that, and uh, we do have to wrap up. We're getting close to the time, and Phil just texted me and asked if we're having hog for lunch, so oh, apparently yeah. you spoke with Phil. But, you know, um, I, I do recall as a as an OSHA person having to have my roof done mm-hmm. after a hailstorm in Omaha and trying to find a roofing company, and I was, you know, being totally transparent. Look, I work for OSHA. And uh, you're going to have to use fall protection. And that, you know, the first 10 people that came said, um, we're sorry, we're really busy. Yeah. You know, no. that, that almost eliminated. <laughs> to be, to I almost be, had to re-roof to be, my own house. To be totally transparant, in the time that I work with Ocean, I've had my house re-roofed four times. The first time I was very particular about it. I work for OSHA. You need to do this, da, 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 and, you know, just right down the line and, and, read, and then, like you said, like nobody wanted to do it. 
by the fourth time, I just, it went from that to I go to work at 8 o'clock, I come home at 4.30, you cannot fall from this house, you know, do what you need to do. Right, and do not be working but you know, work between eight oh one and exactly. four twenty one. Well, while I'm there, and, and put your wife in charge. Exactly, and then the <laughs> other by the end of the last one, it was just like I, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not thinking, just right. just do it, you know. So it is nearly impossible, man. So yeah, yeah. Well, guys, we got to wrap it up. I can see Pat; he's got other places to be. Obviously. <laughs> no, our hour is up, and uh, we, we could tell these stories, obviously, forever, forever and I, I hope we can, but I've made a note to myself, we're going to have a Darwin day, and we'll do nothing but tell Darwin stories, which I think would be entertaining for us, if not for the listeners. Maybe not so much for Darwin, but... <laughs> Maybe not for Darwin. Maybe we can get him on here one of these days. I think he's rolling up on the end of his career at some yeah. point, he's, his storied he's, career. He is a sweetheart of a guy, and I, you know, like I said, he's he means the world to me because he was the guy that took me by the well, hand. Well, all of us, me too. Walked, mm-hmm. walked me through yeah. the, the process. I'm so. sure he had a lot to do with the development of all three of us. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we all probably owe Darwin something, <laughs> as, as uh, horrible as that might sound. But I think, you know, he truly, he was, you know, he is a guy that is committed to the mission, man. And uh, yeah. as, as difficult as it has been at times, you know. He's, he's still there, and we all got out, so exactly. somebody has exactly. to do that. Well, fellas, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I look Thanks. forward to doing this Thanks again from me. time to time. Whenever you're available, we'll get together, and we can drill down into some more details at some point. But, I, you know, the stories are at least I enjoy kind of going back through some of those things. Yeah, you know? so I, and, That and is part of it that I miss. You know, there's, there's so many subjects to cover, so you can't do it in one hour. Uh, literally, you know, we could cover – hundreds of subjects which i think would actually be really interesting and potentially useful so we'll put a list together different subjects i'll actually solicit some feedback from some of the listeners what they want to hear about and maybe we can address some of their questions otherwise that's it for today um it is i think friday afternoon basically Mm -hmm. of uh, holiday weekend so i've got one more stop to make today and that might be it for me and uh, i hope everybody has a you know safe enjoyable labor day and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Later. A Huda Media Production.